helping human services. When sports are going down in Acadiana. Boy, I hope the defense scores because the offense ain't. Get the latest with the ESPN 1420 app. Yeah, y'all know I need to call it and I have something positive to say. When something's going down, we'll tell you where it's at. Get the best sports talk by tapping that app. What up, sports fan? This is Shaq, and you're listening to The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and ESPN 1420 app. All right, welcome back into the show, everybody. I'm Scott Prather, and as promised, joining me now, he is uh, a Saints reporter for Cox Sports Television, friend of the program, has a podcast, been there, done that with Scott Shanley. And uh, resides in Tampa Bay, so we got a lot to get into. Of course, I'm talking about my friend Mike Neighbors. Mike, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good to be on with you. So uh, let, let me start before we get into the Saints. As a guy that's – how long have you been in Tampa Bay? You know what? I've lived in Tampa longer than anywhere, and I grew up in Titusville, Florida, which is right by the Cape, uh, Kennedy Space Center and all that. And I lived there 18 years. I've been here 19 years now. So you, you've, got a, you've got a good feel for sports fans in that area of the country. And then you spend so much time covering the Saints that I would, I would say you have a good feel for the Saints fan base. So, you know, when it comes to Tampa Bay, their hockey team won a Stanley Cup three weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago today. <laughs> their baseball team is in the World Series. Now the hockey team won a Stanley Cup in a city that's literally closer to the North Pole than it is to Tampa Bay. And the Rays are playing, you know, it's World's, it's 2020. They're in a different place. But, like, you've heard it, Mike, the knock on. I know Dickie V's got his, his Rays gear and he's cheering. But it's not like <laughs> they're viewed as this hardcore baseball fan base. I mean, the knock on them is usually, yeah, I mean, how much do they care? I don't know if that's fair or not. I wanted to ask you, what what is the sports fan like in Tampa Bay in regards to Oh, well, their team just won a Stanley Cup and the other one could win a World Series. I mean, are they that into it? Well, it's complicated. I'll say this about Tampa fans, and I used to work for the Lightning. I used to be their TV host, and uh, I would say that I have two girls, and they're 18 and they're 15, and their generation, it's mainly been the bulk of when I've lived in Tampa. The Lightning are the most popular team because they've been the most successful in the last 18, 19 years. The baseball team is very complicated to me because, I mean, you can make a joke that the Rays are comfortable this postseason playing in a bubble because they played in a bubble their whole existence here in Tampa St. Pete in the Tropicana Field. I mean, it's frustrating to me as a baseball fan to see arguably the most exciting team in baseball, the most innovative team in baseball, not get the fan support they deserve. And I don't want to hear, you know, Tampa fans saying that the drive to St. Pete is too far. It's really not. You go over a bridge, it's not a big deal. It's not that bad. It's a mystery to me. You know, for years, the Rays had terrible ownership under Vince DiMoli. Stu Sternberg took over, you know, hired Joe Madden, started, you know, bringing in young guys that really brought in the opening starter and the shift and made things exciting. It didn't help. And you know, he's been criticized for maybe wanting to move the team to Montreal. And I don't like that move either, but I don't blame ownership. They've done everything possible to make this team, uh, you know, fun to watch and successful. And the fans just haven't showed up, but given all that, 
you know, I think Atlanta is a poor sports market. I think Miami is a poor sports market. I don't think Tampa is as bad as those two. But when it comes to baseball, they really are. They support the football team when they're good. They support the hockey team. But baseball has been an anomaly, and it's been very strange, Scott. And it, I guess, Mike, on top of it, the fact that they've been good. You know, if they were bad coupled yeah. with uh, a, a somewhat disinterested fan base, you know, with the exception of some hardcore fans out there, but it's just it's not there in bulk. That's just reality. You you're there. I mean, you just confirmed it. But I just learned that uh, the the hockey team, the NHL team in Tampa, has a lot of support, according to you. The Lightning are are, are a popular team. Yeah, they really are, and they do a great job in terms of ticket sales and promotions and and everything about hockey uh, here is uh you know it's not a hockey place but they've been good and they've been consistently good for a long time i mean when i worked for them they won the stanley cup and they made the playoffs consistently they kind of had a lull for a couple years but then they rebounded they hired steve eiserman so to your argument if you're consistently good fans usually turn out that's why the baseball team is such a weird situation because when i first came to tampa i worked for fox Sportsnet. i worked in tropicana field and they were so bad scott that we'd be done with our stories and we would go and just sit anywhere we wanted to watch the then devil rays play wait for traffic to clear watch a few innings and then go home i mean it was the hal mccray years it was the post Larry Rothschild years. It was right before they got good. It was right before Luke Pinella came in and he couldn't even fix them. But you can understand why fans didn't show up back then. They were the worst team in baseball. But this is not only a fun team to watch, they're the ultimate underdog. I mean, they're in the same division as the Yankees and the Red Sox. They throw all the money at the players in both those franchises, both of those cities, and the Rays still hang with them. And this year they're beating them. So I don't really get it. I mean, I feel for my brethren here in the media. You mentioned it at the beginning of this interview. I mean, they can't really enjoy covering these teams because, you know, even the owner of the Lightning couldn't go to the Stanley Cup Finals. He had to, you know, salute the team via FaceTime afterwards. I mean, it's just, it's been a really weird situation, but I can't really explain the baseball thing. And I can't defend Tampa fans or Tampa Bay fans, or as they call them now, Champa Bay, because they support the hockey. They support football when they're good, but they just don't support baseball. It's very strange. Yeah. It, uh, at, at some point, do you see that franchise potentially going elsewhere? You know, I hate to say it, but yes. And, and I really this because I'm a big a baseball fan, as you'll see. I mean, baseball is my favorite sport, and I was really enjoying having a baseball team here, but they don't deserve it. They really don't. And, you know, they've been given every opportunity to, you know, kind of salvage this team, but they haven't done it. And, I, I, I you know, for all the things that the Rays do, you kind of scratch your head at it, and then you say, well, it's actually working. I give them credit for that. I don't know about this you know, half season in Montreal, half season in Tampa Bay. Yeah. But it's really, you know, to me, it's the only way to salvage it because they're just not supporting this team. They, they support them TV ratings-wise, but they don't support them in person. And, you know, what's really funny about that is here in Tampa, such a great tradition. I mean, Steve Garvey, Wade Boggs, Lou Pinella, Gary Sheffield, Dwight Good. I mean, it is a baseball area. And that makes it even stranger that they haven't supported them. I mean, it's not like it's it's a big hockey background here. I mean, right, right. Kids the, aren't growing up playing here. hockey in Tampa. They're growing up playing baseball and football. Right. Oops. Mike Neighbors, our guest, ESPN 1420, 1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. You could follow him on Twitter 
at Mike Neighbors. Neighbors is spelled N-A-B-O-R-S. And he's got a, a lot of great stuff happening. Neighborsmediagroup.com. Uh, his show, Aaron's, we'll get into the podcast, the Dundad podcast, and more. Uh, all right, well, that last question on uh, on my last question about the fans and then one quick baseball question about this actual World Series. I was talking about the game before I brought you on from last night. If Tampa Bay fans could say, all right, guys, you can get a World Series championship or I'll guarantee you the Bucks will be a wild card this year in the NFL. Are they taking the, the just, just the wild card? No, they want more than that. With Tom Brady, no, when he no, was I, signed. I, to be clear, I know they want more than that. I'm just saying if if you offered them, I can guarantee you they'll at least be a wild card, or I could tell you they won't make it, but your baseball team will win the World Series. What are they taking? You understand? That's a good question. I would say World Series because that's the one thing they haven't had. They've had a Super Bowl here. They've had a Stanley Cup. They want the World Series because they were close in 2008, and you know they're close this year, obviously. So I think they would definitely take the World Series. Uh, to your point, I understand. Yeah, I mean, when Tom Brady signed, I thought the expectations were too high. But after watching that Packers game, I know we'll get into it. This team's uh, looks like they're for real. But I think they definitely take the World Series just because they haven't had it. Gotcha. Mike Neighbors, our guest. Uh, after game one last night, a tough start for him, but everything kind of rolled right for the Dodgers last night. I think. You know, all the pressure is on the Dodgers in my mind, Mike, because it's championship or bust for them. Having said that, this is feels like a must win for the race tonight because you're starting Blake Snell. You've got the lefty. The one thing Mookie Betts hasn't been great against this year. You've got the Dodgers just throwing up, you know, a bullpen, essentially. We're just going to try to get through it. This is this is the game for the Rays to win, and I think if they win it, we could have a pretty good series. But I think if they lose tonight, Mike, I think this thing is over this weekend. Oh, I, I think must win maybe game three. I, I still this is why I love baseball is that there's so there's more of a margin for error in baseball I think than other sports. But I think definitely tonight's important. I don't know if it's a must win. I will say this: I'm a big Kevin Cash fan. I, I I'm showing my age here, but I covered Kevin Cash when he was a catcher at Florida State back in my local sports days, and wow. I followed his career. I think he's he's to me, quite a success story in so many ways, but he deviated from the Rays way last night. And sometimes I don't like the Rays way because they, they, they grabbed the hook on the pitchers a little too soon, but I thought he left Tyler glass now in there way too long last night. Glass now not used to these, these modern pitchers, Scott, they're not the old days. They're not, they're not used to throwing over a hundred pitches. He was way past his pitch count last night. And I think that cost him some runs. I don't know if they would have won the game, but I think the game would have had a different pace to it. But yeah, your your big horse is Blake Snell. He's your ace, even though Charlie Morton's probably your most clutch pitcher. I would I would take Charlie Morton in a game where you needed a win the most. I don't think it's a must win. I think it's an important win. But if they get this win tonight, it will be an interesting series, obviously, moving forward. I will say this, though. The smartest guy in the room is Andrew Friedman, the general manager of the Dodgers. He was, of course, the general manager of the Rays. That, along with Joe Madden, was the smartest two hires this franchise has ever made. And I know Andrew Friedman you know, moved on because he could have money to spend in a bigger market. But if you look at that Dodgers team, yeah, they've thrown money at players. But unlike the Yankees, and frankly, well, I guess the Astros are similar too. They've made some shrewd moves in the 
especially taking chances on guys that a lot of teams didn't. So to me, Andrew Friedman, you know, uh, is one of the smartest guys in baseball and really an innovative guy and a reason why the Rays are there and the Dodgers are there, along with Theo Epstein, I think the two of the smartest guys in baseball. Great stuff. Mike Neighbors, our guest, ESPN1420.com. Many of you know him from his coverage of the Saints on Cox Sports. Uh, he's got a great show called Aaron's. You could check it out on YouTube where he runs errands with, uh, you know, go ahead and just plug that real quick, Mike. I mean, I've, I've seen it. I enjoy it. You're doing stuff with the saints as well. Tell our listeners about it. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll bring this conversation full circle. You mentioned Dickie V Dickie V got this ball rolling for us and I'll be forever indebted to Dick Vitale for this, but we wanted to start a sports concept where, you know, I get tired of press conferences and we don't do locker room interviews. We used to locker room interviews where you don't really have a chance to get to know athletes. So we wanted to start a concept where we got to know athletes. So we run errands with them. We have them pick the three errands of their choice and we run errands with them. But the, the heart of it are the conversations we have in between the errands. Dick Vitale was the first episode we ever did. The Saints saw the concept and liked it. Now we're producing it for them. We did eight shows in our first season. We just kicked off our second season, and Saints fans will be excited about this. If you haven't seen it, you know, go to all the Saints platforms. Just put in Aaron's, and Marcus Colston was the first one, and we really had fun with him. But, but coming up soon, we have Archie Manning. We've shot an episode with Pat Swilling, who I really enjoyed. Asked him about how the Dome Patrol would be with Sean Payton's offense. And we also did one with Morton Anderson in Atlanta recently. So those three episodes are coming up. Archie Manning was phenomenal. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of things in this business, but spending two hours in a car with Archie Manning, driving around New Orleans, hearing stories about Arch Manning, hearing stories about his son, his playing days with the Saints, and then running errands with him was a lot of fun. It, it's, you know, I've always liked how you're able to, um, in an interview, kind of get get a player to open up whenever they're sitting next to you. It doesn't work every time, I mean, but but you're good at it, especially, you know, on Cox Sports back when you, know, you guys had a lot more close contact prior to this 2020 year. Um, yeah. and, and you could, you know, just look at guys and after a game kind of, you, you could tell, all right, you might talk to them for two or three minutes, but once you... Once somebody kind of lets that, that, that wall down, you get some good content there. I mean, if they're just running errands with you, Mike, I mean, they really, you, you can't, like you said, you can't just give coach speak or locker room speak or, <laughs> you know, your typical cliche answers, the whole car ride. So you really get some good content there. And, uh, and I highly recommend it. I've watched them and I, I really enjoy them. I appreciate it. The, the interesting part about, I'll give away some of the Archie Manning. I asked him, you know, Archie, you've seen it all. You've done it all. You've been everywhere. You know, who have you not met that you've wanted to meet? And what have you not done that you've wanted to do? And he's a big Yankees fan, and he's never been to a World Series. And obviously he can't go. Well, I guess he could go this year. They're starting to let fans in. But I thought that was interesting. And the one person he's never met, it's not that he necessarily, you know, was the one person he wanted to meet, but it just kind of worked out that they met. He met Bill Belichick this year, and they had a conversation for the first time, and I was surprised by that. All the years that Peyton Manning played the Patriots, you figured that Archie would have bumped into Bill Belichick, but they met this year at the Combine and had a long conversation. So that's part of our Aaron's episode is the conversation he had with Bill Belichick. But doesn't that surprise you? I figured that Archie Manning would have met Bill Belichick you know, before 2020. I guess so, but now that you mentioned it, Mike, I mean, Archie I... – He's very friendly. Um, obviously, yeah. he's he's comfortable in front of a camera, 
but he's not like the pitch man that like Peyton is, you know, like right, he, right. I, I get the sense that Archie very friendly, but likes his privacy. Bill, very private, maybe not mean that in a, in a mean way. I just, you know, right. I mean, he's, <laughs> he might not smile and wave to you. Um, uh, so I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense. And yet at the same time, it is a little surprising at some point you figure, man, their paths probably would have crossed. You know, you bring up, you obviously know Archie well, because that's the, what's great about Archie Manning is possible. But, you know, I asked him about Drew Brees, and, and, he, and he's repeatedly told me this over the years. He said, you know, I love Drew, but I'll leave Drew alone. You know, he, he's, 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 he's the kind of guy, he's there if you need him, but he's not going to force anything. I think the best story about Archie Manning I heard over the years is one of his visits to Tennessee, he would sit in the film room, I guess, with Archie Manning and maybe Phil Fulmer and, and Cutcliffe and some of the guys back in the day, and they'd look over and Archie would be taking a nap. I mean, he'd like to be there, but he's not going to you know, force his way into the conversation. It kind of reminds me of my dad who passed away recently, is that he was always there for me, but he never forced his way into a situation. And I mean, Archie Manning is such an unusual man in so many ways, a great father, a great player, a great ambassador. But he's such a down-to-earth, humble man, too, and I think that's why so many people love him. Mike Neighbors, our guest, ESPN1420.com of uh, NeighborsMediaGroup.com. NFC South, um, it's got some strong teams. I think the Saints to this point, even with the winning record, Mike, have not played to the level many expected. I think the Bucks have played... For me, better than I anticipated. I still think long term that the loss of Vita Vey is gonna gonna be big long term. But um, but you know when we talked before the season, one thing we were in agreement on was that perhaps the bar was a little too high for the Bucks from the outside in terms of contending for a Super Bowl. We're still early in this season, Mike. But where are your thoughts currently on the Saints, the Bucks, and? Uh, and if it's not one of them, I don't know, maybe you feel like Carolina three and three could be in the mix, but, but who do you think comes out of the NFC South here? I'm really impressed with Carolina. You know, I love their new head coach. You know, you love what they've done with Teddy Bridgewater and bringing Joe Brady. I mean, it's, it's like the saints, saints East over there. You know, the head coach obviously is from Baylor. Not, that's not the case, but I will say this about the bucks. You know, I was really impressed with the way they played against the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, all the great things about Aaron Rodgers, this was an unbelievable stat I heard this week, that David Carr and uh, Tannehill have more come-from-behind fourth-quarter wins than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is kind of a different quarterback when he plays from behind. I'm not taking anything away from the Bucs, but my, my biggest problem with the Bucs is the offensive line. It's been that way since they signed Tom Brady. You know, the, the Gronk signing was sexy. I don't know how great that's going to be. He's starting to come out of his shell a little bit. Leonard Fournette, that was a sexy signing, but Ronald Jones has proven to be a more durable back, and I used to work in Jacksonville, and I've heard some, some not-so-good things about Leonard Fournette and the way he is behind the scenes. But to me, the biggest problem with that team is the offensive line. You mentioned Vita Vea. That's not going to help. That offensive line is the most overpriced unit in the NFL. Donovan Smith is a durable left tackle, but he's not very good. So I think that's their Achilles heel. I'm not sure how much they can get better at that offensive line in terms of opening things up for the running game and protecting Tom Brady. But with that said, that defense is better. They got a ton of weapons on offense. The running game's better than they have Tom Brady. The Saints, I'll say this about the Saints. 
you know, I've seen five games. I don't know what to think about this team right now. I really don't. I've seen some good, but I've seen a lot of bad, too. That defense is not as good as we had projected, especially in the secondary. Marcus Davenport coming back is going to help Cam Jordan. It's going to help that defensive line. Um, the offense, to me, you know, Drew Brees has been criticized, I think, a little too harshly. You know, he, he's done with that offense what he can do right now. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of openings downfield. People want to throw the ball downfield. There hasn't been much there. Michael Thomas coming back will help this offense. So I want to see how they play against the Carolina Panthers to answer that question because I don't think we've seen the best football from the New Orleans Saints. But then again, I don't know how good this football team is. We're going to find an awful lot about this football team, I think, in the next two weeks with Michael Thomas, with Marcus Davenport coming back. Hopefully the secondary uh, will get its act together moving forward because they're better than what they've played so far. It's been disappointing to me to see how Marshawn Lattimore's played. And Janoris Jenkins had a big game in the opener, but he hasn't been healthy. If he's healthy and can play better and Lattimore can play better, and then you have Davenport on the on the front end. I think this will be a better defense, and obviously Michael Thomas will make the offense better. Mike Neighbors, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. The um, just everything kind of feels like a grind right now. Like it's you know you're, you're used to seeing the offense kind of do things easily, and I'm not I'm not even going to sit here and knock the offense. I mean they're they're they've scored. You know they didn't look great against the Raiders, but every other game this season they've scored thirty or more. I mean that's right. that's that's not bad. You're you're doing you're doing something right there. But you've given up you know more points than Carolina this year. You've given up more points than Tampa Bay this year, uh, and in some cases you know Carolina's played more games than you have to this point. You've still given up more than them. I just it's what you said. Like defensively, while a lot of the national media is focusing so much on Breeze, and I'm like, man, that he hadn't thrown it deep for years. It's it's the first right. few look, the first few games. <laughs> I was a little, I was I was concerned about the accuracy because you're used to just seeing him, just I mean, better stats than an archer, right? Like on the money, and it's like, okay, this is a concern. But as far as the like down the field stuff, I'm like, where have y'all been? Like this isn't this isn't it. Now, Michael Thomas, obviously. Offensive player of the year, such a big part of it. Mike, we've talked, I've asked you a lot of questions about Michael Thomas over the last few years about his personality because he um, he's so chirpy online. He has a perpetual chip on his shoulder, like no matter what. These are things we've discussed, and he kind of, I use the word insecure. I've had other Saints writers disagree with me on that. They're like, I don't know if that's what it is. I don't, and again, when I say insecure, I'm not even meaning it in a derogatory way because I think what makes Mike great is, is what also gets him in trouble. That's what Jeff Duncan, you know, through a source reference in the article he wrote about Mike. He's just so competitive, and yet you get a mic in front of him, and it's like, you know, I'm just going to answer these questions, and we're going to play hard, and that's it. And you're like, this is not – this this guy on the mic is not the same guy on the field. This isn't the same guy on Twitter. Um you know the fact that the Saints. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a a statement here, Mike, and you can tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong. And I trust your opinion on it because you've you've been around that locker room. You've had a front row seat to the Saints for the last 14 years. Um, Jeff Duncan, who I'm talking to coming up in 22 minutes, and who you and Scott Shanley talked to, a great podcast, done that podcast, guys, check it out, subscribe. He wrote that article on Mike Thomas last week about. Um, you know, how great of a player he is, but some of the issues in the locker room and, and, and other things like that. As insulated as the Saints can be when Sean Payton wants them to be, 
Um, as much as he tries to keep things private, I felt like the Saints, kind of the coaching staff maybe, with their blessing that article got out. I'm not saying they went to Mike and said, here you go, do this. That's not what I'm suggesting. But whenever you start getting sources and things like that, I just feel like the Saints wanted the world to know that, okay, look, this is disciplinary, right? They could have said, hey, Mike, you, you know, it's it's still the ankle, whatever. But they wanted everyone to know, no, this is a discipline thing. He's not playing today. Uh, the article comes out. It's I feel like Peyton, I'm not sure why, but they wanted all that to come out. And where do they go from here? You can tell me whether you think I'm right or wrong on that, and then I'll just turn it over to you, your general assessment of Thomas, because he's such a great player, Mike, and I think he's going to make such a big difference when he comes on the field this Sunday, yet um, you know, he's been a story lately for other reasons. First of all, Duncan's a great writer, and I'm getting his book on my doorstep via Amazon today. So tell Duncan when you have him on, I plug his book again on your show. I will. So I'm looking forward to delving into that. I'll tell him. I'll say this about Michael Thomas. Um, I don't know if he's insecure. I'll say he's too sensitive. He worries about outside noise too much. But you know what? That's the modern athlete today, and that's something that – the athlete, even a Scott Shanley, when he played, didn't have to worry about as much the social media noise as as this generation has to. But Mike Thomas, if you you know see him on Twitter, he responds to people, whether it's the media or the fans. You know, Mike, don't worry about that stuff. Just go out and play. You're the arguably the best receiver in the NFL. I think he's confident. He knows how good he is. He's had to work hard to get where he is. And the crazy thing to me is his uncle's Keyshawn Johnson, who I covered for years in Tampa. And actually, he was a locker room problem uh, times 10 compared to Michael Thomas. But Keyshawn Johnson was fun to cover from a media standpoint because, boy, he would be honest with you. Michael Thomas um, has his moments with the media where he's accessible, but everything Duncan said in his article, none of that surprised me. To your you know, theory on Sean Payton, that wouldn't surprise me either. I don't know anything that would substantiate that, but I think they've known it's a problem for a while. I thought Alvin Kamara, you know, was a different guy without Mark Ingram in that locker room. And even he has referenced that in terms of his demeanor on the sideline last year, even though he was hurt. But I'll give Kamara all the props this year, not only for, to me, being a different guy in terms of leadership, but being a great player and stepping up and, 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 living up to that contract this year that I frankly didn't think he deserved. So Alvin Kamara, to me, I'm wrong. I was wrong about him, but Michael Thomas, he's got to be better. Not, 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 not on the field. He's great on the field. He's got to be better in that locker room because in the Sean Payton era, that locker room is everything. When Brandon Browner and Kenny Stills were in that locker room, that's when they had the seven and nine years. They don't want to go back to that locker room. They need to have a better locker room. And Michael Thomas, I'm sure Drew Brees has taken him aside and Sean Payton and, and a lot of people. And we'll, it'll be interesting to see how he is moving forward. There's no question he's a great player. But you know what, Mike? You know you're great. Your teammates love you. Don't worry about all this Twitter stuff. Don't worry about the people that criticize you. Because you know what? Drew Brees gets the same thing. When you see Drew Brees post something on Instagram, all the comments are back to what happened last summer. You see Tom Brady post stuff. They'll criticize him for not shaking Nick Foles' hand the week before. Why just shake Aaron Rodgers' hand? You know what? If you're Joe Buck, if you're Tom Brady, if you're Drew Brees, if you're Michael Thomas, everybody's going to criticize you on Twitter. That's reality in 2020. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. Mike Neighbors, our guest, ESPN 1420. 
you've you've been it's different this year in 2020 you don't have as much access as you've typically had but you've talked to me about the locker room over the years and like going back to the Super Bowl team and the really good teams you're like look Shockey was was tough he was a wild card but the leadership within the locker room was able to negate maybe when Shockey would you know go out of the, the the lines a little bit. Now I'm not suggesting that Michael Thomas is anything like Shockey. To be clear, I'm just using it as an example. In that, where I'm going with this is it comes from the leaders, right? I mean, Brandon Browner was voted team captain. Junior Gallette was as well, and then he started saying all kind of very you know private, uh, sensitive things about teammates publicly and all that other stuff. Michael Thomas is when you're that good, you got to be. I feel like you're a leader on the team, and I think that's more what this is about. It's like this isn't like you're you're not you're not like the the number four or five guy on the depth chart. Like whenever it comes from one of the best players and somebody that I think other players look to, it brings on a lot of added weight, if that makes sense. And so you know, Shockey was not the player that Thomas was in terms of impact, but he was a very good player. And yet you had such a strong locker room and it came from the leadership. I think Michael Thomas being one of the best can be a leader on this team, but they, um, you know, certainly in terms of his work ethic, he is, I don't, I think that's undeniable. The guy works like relentlessly, but uh, I, but I also think that's why this is a big, big thing right here. You know, it's, it's not like it's the, the fourth or fifth guy on the depth chart or, you know, that, that other guys can get in check. I mean, he's, He's the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, so many would argue he's the best player on the team and one of the best players in the world, and that's why it became a big story. But, Mike, I just feel like if the Saints start winning, it's it's something that, you know, you look back on in Week 12 and say, oh, yeah, remember that? Well, they're rolling now, and, and I think he's just that important to this team. Well, he's not Antonio Brown. I, I don't think he's he's even his uncle Keyshawn Johnson. I think Michael Thomas, uh, you know, this problem was starting to grow and grow and grow, and they had to nip it in the bud. And you hope they have at this point. There's no question he's – I think he's the best receiver in the game right now, frankly. I mean, to me, production-wise, what he gives this offense, he's the best receiver in football. I will also say this. I don't think there's a receiver that works harder than Michael Thomas. You heard that from Drew Brees early on in his career. And to his demise, it kind of hurt him with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He is so competitive every rep in practice. He's got to win it. And you love that about him. But you love so many things about Michael Thomas right now. Sometimes your strength is your weakness, and we're seeing that with him. I think the coaches realized that not only at practice with the way he was carrying himself, but obviously with the staff, with the, you know, with the media to some degree. And they kind of had to bring him back a little bit. So they've done that. They've, you know, they made it public that it wasn't the injury when they could have, they could have brushed this under the rug and not made it public, but they did. So they sent a message to Thomas and his, and his, you know, representatives a little bit. So we'll see how it is moving forward. But I think, you know, his relationship with Drew Brees is very solid. You know, his relationship with Sean Payton seemingly was solid for, for a long time too. So sometimes, um, a player of that caliber before you let it get way out of control, you have to rein him in. And it seems like they've done that. So it'll be real interesting to see how he plays the rest of the season. You know, he'll play well, but you hope it doesn't carry on into the locker room in a bad way moving forward. I'm expecting a big game from him Sunday. I think he's going to be uh, angry in a good way. And um, I just, I think he's going to play really well against Carolina. Mike neighbors is our guest from uh Neighbors Media Group, the Dundat Podcast from Cox Sports Television 
at Mike Neighbors on Twitter. Neighbors is N A B O R S. And uh, if you know his pinned tweet up there is uh, a bunch of episodes from the YouTube page of Aaron's, and a lot of good stuff. The best moments from it, but highly recommend that show as well. The Saints are in on it now. He referenced one he's got coming up with Archie Manning, Pat Swilling, among others. Uh, Mike, we've only got you for a few more minutes. Always appreciate the time, man. Good stuff. Um, what you know, we, we talked about the. What are you expecting out of the Saints? Because you said it earlier, they, they have not played, and you're like I think all of us. They have not played up to the level we expected them to. Look pretty good week one, but since then, fortunately, they have a winning record. But they don't look like that team that was one of the favorites in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. They're definitely not a Super Bowl contender right now based on how they played, but it doesn't mean they can't play their way into that. So what are you expecting out of this team coming out of the bye and moving forward here over the next couple of months? Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited because I think when a team hasn't played its best football yet, they're three and two, it shows how good they are. I think one of the most underrated acquisitions in the NFL was Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. I mean, for, for good reason, Tom Brady was a big deal going to Tampa Bay and all of that. But I always was excited, man, if Michael Thomas can finally get some help in Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe the best thing in this season was this Michael Thomas episode because it allowed Drew Brees to get more comfortable with Emmanuel Sanders. Now you have them both, plus Traquan Smith has more confidence, plus Jared Cook is that much more confident when healthy coming off that great second half last year. If they can find a way to reinvent Taysom Hill, all these weapons coupled with a much better offensive line than the Buccaneers have. I'm excited about this offense moving forward. I love Marcus Davenport coming back from the defense. Kiko Alonso kind of bolstering the depth chart at, at the linebacking position. And I do think that secondary will, will get better. They're too good not to get better. This Saints team will get better. How much better? I don't know. They're definitely a playoff team, Scott. Uh, can they win the division? I think they can. I can't wait for that Bucks game in, in Tampa in a few weeks. But before that, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to find a lot, of, a lot about this football team against Carolina and against Chicago on the road. They win those two games. Boy, that game against the Bucks in a couple of weeks is going to be huge. It's prime time for a reason. I mean, Brady and Breeze for the last time probably. So it's uh, a lot to look forward to if you're a Saints fan. All right, Mike. Um, I've got to ask you about Jameis Winston because you being there in Tampa, I mean, you – you were probably the first guy in the media that I talked to that suggested Jameis could eventually end up on the Saints, long before he did. Um, you referenced Taysom Hill a minute ago. Uh, Larry Holder has a great piece on The Athletic Today where he's talking to a lot of experts about potential Saints, you know, Saints backups that could potentially be the starter or is the starter when Breeze retires someone not on the team and – you know, Taysom and Jameis, as Winston is mentioned quite a bit uh, in that discussion, w- w- throwing it out there, nobody knows, but where, where do you think Jameis ultimately ends up next season and beyond? I feel about Jameis how I feel about the Saints team right now. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it could go a lot of different ways. I, there's no doubt J- Jameis Winston has talent. He's got a ton of talent. I just don't know if he'll ever get out of his own way. I don't know if anybody can save him. I thought Bruce Arians would be the guy 
And I'll give Jameis Winston a lot of credit for all the bad decisions he's made on and off the football field. The best decision he ever made was coming to New Orleans, sitting back and learning under Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I don't know the way Jameis Winston's career has played out, Scott. I got a feeling something is going to happen this season where he's going to get that shot to do something like Bridgewater did a year ago. I don't want Drew Brees to get hurt, but maybe it's for a, a series or something. I just feel like I can't imagine Jameis just this whole season and not seeing any meaningful action, but maybe that'll be the case. And you know what? If that happens, that may be the best best thing that ever happened to him in his career because his whole life he's been the guy, and because he's been the guy, he's felt invincible that he can do anything. And this season, he's had to sit back and say, you know what? I got to change. I got to change if I'm ever going to be that guy again. So. We'll see if he'll learn his lesson. If he can learn his lesson and scale things back a bit, I think Jameis Winston can be a successful quarterback. But that big if is the million-dollar question. We'll see what happens moving forward. But, boy, he's he's a wild card, that's for sure. A multi-million-dollar question, uh, potentially. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just about being judicious with the football, man. And he's, yeah. the talent is there, obviously, but you can't turn it over a ton. and. And uh, and keep you know and and have success in the league, but I don't know. I find I find Jameis fascinating in a lot of ways, and the discussion of who's next. I mean, there was some, and I kind of was. I'll be honest. I I was I question. Okay, you're bringing Breeze back. I get it. It was never going to be anything else. But you're going to let a guy that was five and zero and could have been your starter for a while go somewhere else. Turns out to be a divisional foe. You know, are you going to regret this? I don't know. I mean, Bridgewater was five and zero with the Saints. Carolina's three and three right now, but time will tell on that regard. But they had a pretty good one in the building, and now he's uh, going to be back in the building Sunday, but on the other team, and um, I, we'll see what happens this Sunday. Mike Neighbors has been our guest. Final question for you, Mike. We appreciate the time. You being a, a guy that, like I mentioned earlier, is able to get some good, good sound, good interviews out of players. Uh, after games and you know Cox Sports has that exclusive one-on-one with Drew Brees every uh, Sunday after a game or Monday night when they play on Monday not being able to sort of be there in person and do a lot of the things uh, that you just it's just different I mean I think anyone in the media that's having to go on press conferences via Zoom can tell you about all the differences Um, in, in terms of trying to develop some kind of camaraderie. It's probably different with you and Drew because you guys have talked so many times over the years, but how how much more difficult has it been for you to do your job at the level you want to with some of the restrictions that uh, that are in place for, for good reasons? I'm not sitting here trying to say get rid of them all, but uh, just more of a question about, about you doing your job this year. Well, that's a great question. I'll tell you, I'm very surprised that we've been able to continue the Breeze interview. But to his credit, uh, I feel like our relationship's been good, you know, that we found a way to do it. But to, to answer your question, you know, it has been strange. I mean, I haven't met Emmanuel Sanders in person. I met him via Zoom. Uh, we talked for 30 seconds before we did our interview after the Chargers Monday night game a week ago. I'm introducing myself, and I asked him a question. He actually thought we were starting the interview when it was a live interview. He answered the question. I said, okay, we're going to be on in 10 seconds. He said, oh, I thought we were already on, so we laughed about that. So that's a weird dynamic with this. But with Breeze, it's been great because I've known him for a long time. We'll set up, and I'll talk to him for a little bit before we get started. And I know him very well, so even when he was getting criticized, he's still getting criticized for the way he's played. You know, we could talk about it in a way 
that I know he's comfortable talking about it. And he's always been great about, you know, my questions about his critics, my questions about his struggles. He addresses it head on. He's always been a pro. So I know how he approaches interviews. So that hasn't been a problem, but somebody like Emmanuel Sanders, who I just met, or, you know, some of these saints players, I haven't been around for a long time. It's a little different, but you know what? I'm just thankful to be working. I'm thankful that we can still do this during these crazy times. I'm frankly surprised we could do it. So I'm uh, I'm amazed that technology is giving us an assist and I'm thankful, my friend, Mike neighbors. It's been great, man. As always guys, follow him on Twitter at, uh, Mike Neighbors, uh, anything you want to plug before we let you run? Yeah, I'll just say this. Uh, you know, I, I think you do a great job on your show. I, I do a lot of uh, radio interviews, and I really appreciate the, the thoughtfulness that you put in these. And you ask really good questions. So I, I, I'll give you props, my friend. I know you, you're not looking for it, but uh, I really enjoy every time I come on. It's a, it's a different kind of interview, and I, I look forward to it. That's very nice of you, Mike. I appreciate it, man, and uh, thanks for educated on the uh, the mindset of Tampa Bay sports fans, talking some Saints with us and more, and I'm sure we'll talk to you down the line, all right? All right. I enjoy this, Scott. Look forward to next time. You got it. That is Mike Neighbors. And uh, check out Saints tonight every Sunday at 1030 on uh, Cox Sports Television, or rather after the Sunday night football game ends and when it's uh, Saints in a primetime game, they, uh, they, came, they come on right after.